Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us again of two powerful words, but God. These words make all the difference when traveling through pain, trials, and confusion. Often, we can't see the good in our circumstances or the meaning behind certain situations, but God. He's always on his throne and in control. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on October 4th, 2020. For today's update, I sense that the Lord would have me talk about what I see as the two most powerful words in all of the Bible, but God. I say powerful because these two words change any situation, no matter how bad it is. I think you would agree that things in the world today are getting really bad, as it becomes increasingly perilous with each passing day. But God, but God is meaning it for good to bring about the salvation of many in these last days. Actually, all that's happening is a good thing. And I'll take it further and say it's even a God thing. And this because we have before us today the greatest and grandest of opportunities, the likes of which we have never seen before, and likely will never see again, to move everyone every day closer to Jesus. You know, When this first hit, back in March, the Lord had ministered to me and impressed upon my heart that I needed to sort of refocus, not that we weren't doing this, but I really needed to prioritize getting as many people to Jesus as I possibly could by way of these prophecy updates while there was still time. I have never in all of my life, I've been walking with the Lord for 38 years, I have never sensed the urgency that I sense today. So that's what I want to talk about. And everything that we're going to look at today has this one thing in common, get to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything that's happening 
in the world today, God is allowing it. Yeah, but pastor, it's really bad. I know. It's really, really bad. I know, I know. (laughs) But God. I truly believe that we, this side of glory, can not have even a glimpse or a the possibility of imagining how many people have come to Christ since this whole thing started. My wife was sharing with me about her time with the Lord this last week, and she made an interesting comment. She said, you know, I, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me for my selfishness, she said, no, I had, to, I had to ask God to forgive me because selfishly, I want the Lord to come back right now. But selflessly, the Lord spoke to my heart and said to me, there are so many people that I have yet to bring into the kingdom before I take you out. And that's powerful to me. And isn't it bittersweet? I mean, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that it is bittersweet. You know, so many people talk about, you know, I thought the Lord was going to come back in such and such a year. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad that the people back in the 70s who thought the Lord would come back and rapture the church in the 70s, I'm so glad He didn't because I didn't get saved till 1982. I would have been left behind. How about that? How about you? And think about this. How many people have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of everything that is happening in the world today? Okay. Doubtless You've heard the breaking news about the president's positive COVID-19 test and his subsequent hospitalization on Friday. As you might imagine, everyone is talking about this, and for what I understand are good reasons by virtue of the implications, specifically concerning the threats of an all-out civil war after the upcoming presidential elections in just 30 days from today. However, with everyone talking about the president and the upcoming elections here in the U.S., it seems that very few, if any at all, are talking about the reality on the ground. What's the reality on the ground? Well, the reality on the ground, not just here in America, but worldwide, is the economic outlook. With jobs lost and businesses closed, never to open again because of COVID-19. One need look no further than to the statistics of business closures, which here in the U.S. are estimated to be between 60 to 70 percent, and will never open again. 
how about not just the business owner, but how about the employees of that business who are now out of work? They have no income. They have no livelihood. Well, this would explain this aerial photo of a food line in San Antonio, Texas, showing what they estimate to be about 10,000 vehicles. That's just vehicles. Each vehicle of those 10,000 represents a family in line, in a very long line, just to get food. While parking lots are full for food, hospital parking lots are empty. Pictured here is a photo from Trios Hospital in Washington State that was taken back in March. This is Franciscan Hospital in Michigan City, Indiana. I've had occasion to talk with those in the medical field, and they have told me that hospitals are experiencing quite the reversal financially in terms of income, and physicians have had to take a pretty significant reduction in pay. It's not just the world's economies, it's also the world's governments that are collapsing as well. This is a screenshot from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace website, in which they track global protests against the governments. As of October 1st, and I'm quoting, about 100 significant anti-government protests have erupted worldwide, and get this, about 30 governments or leaders have fallen as a result. These food lines and these protests are evidence of the unprecedented hopelessness and despair for those who have had their lives turned upside down. And, to make matters even worse, when one looks at what's likely to come in the days and weeks ahead, it can be absolutely terrifying. Now, I realize I'm painting a very dark and bleak picture here. (laughs) Here's the truth. The truth is, Bible prophecy tells us that this is exactly what will happen at the time of the end. And we are, without question, at the time of the end. Not only does Bible prophecy tell us that this will happen, More importantly, it tells us why this will happen. Namely, that of God not wanting any to perish, but all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the why behind the what. Yes, it's getting very scary, but God as only he can, takes the bad and brings about good 
in ways that we could never possibly even begin to imagine. However, this presupposes that we place the words, but God, in the right position. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I can say, yes, I know that God can bring good out of all of this, but everything happening in the world today is getting worse. You got it backwards. What you should say is, yes, everything happening in the world today is getting worse, but God can bring good out of this. This is not a play on words. And stay with me. See, if I say, yes, I know that God will provide, but I don't have enough money to pay this month's rent. You know what you've just done? You have given the peril, the crisis, the trial, the final word. God has the final word. God rules over all and overrules all. So when you say, yeah, I know God's going to provide, but you just tied the hands of God's miracles in your life with the ropes of your putting those words in the wrong place. Because you're making that big and God small. When you say, yes, this is really, really, really bad, and it is really, really bad, and (laughs) it's going to get really, really, really worse. So have a nice afternoon. But God, I have just flipped that on its head. I have just changed the entire complexion of whatever that situation is. Because by putting the but God in the right spot, I have just factored God into the equation. And now I can just sit back and behold the salvation of the Lord. It's almost like, and I hope this doesn't sound too crass, but it's almost like God saying, did you just say, but God? That, that I, yeah, it's really bad, but, but you, oh Lord. Really? <laughs> Watch me now. You have just given me an invitation that I can't resist because of who I am and how good I am. I imagine God almost sort of waiting on standby to hear those words. He will never force Himself into our situation. There has to be the invitation. Genesis 50-20, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, and I know I say that often, but particularly this one, Joseph is speaking to his brothers that I mean, with brothers like this, who needs enemies? They left him for dead, sold him into slavery. They, they hated him with a, an evil hatred, a satanic hatred that possessed their hearts, their jealousy of him. And they did all of this to him. And then when he reveals his identity to them, 
they are in perilous fear. Because this is the most powerful man in the known world, save Pharaoh. And with the snap of his fingers, it could be off with their heads, and they knew it. And I would even suggest they fully expected it. So listen to what Joseph says to them. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Could you imagine? You're one of Joseph's brothers, and he said it the other way around. Yeah, I know God means it for good in order to bring about the salvation of many this day, but you did evil against me. They're like, okay, it's over. (laughs) I'm done. No, he doesn't say it like that. Yeah, you, you meant this for evil. And here's the thing, you guys, God allowed you to do what you did to me. But God is going to take what you're doing and what you did, and He's going to bring it about the good for the salvation of many this day. Acts chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, we have a reference to Joseph. We read, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. Psalm 73 is a a very interesting psalm because it's a very honest psalm. The psalmist, some believe to be Asaph, others believe to be David, but Asaph actually transcribed this psalm of David. Doesn't matter. Here's what matters. The psalmist is very honest about having a crisis of faith. And you might be surprised to know what the source of his crisis of faith was. He was watching these evil, wicked people prosper at every turn. And he's looking at this thing going, that's not fair. Here I walk in righteousness, I walk uprightly in integrity before you, O Lord, and look at them, they have no problems. They are evil as evil can be. What's up with that? Well, he doesn't say it like that, but that's a paraphrase, if you will. (laughs) And he even goes as far as saying, you know, I have walked uprightly. I have cleansed my hands in purity in vain. What's the point? I mean, look, look at the wicked. Look at the evil. And then look at me. At every turn, they're prospering. At every turn, I'm experiencing nothing but affliction. It's not right. Until he enters into the sanctuary of the Lord, and the Lord shows him their end. And then he says, forgive me, Lord. (laughs) I mean, it was so bad that he would not even talk to anyone else because he didn't want to stumble God's people. That's how serious this crisis of faith was. 
And it had to do with watching the prosperity of the evil and the wicked. And listen to what he says in verse 26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God changes everything. Philippians 2 verse 27, the Apostle Paul writes, Indeed, he, speaking of Epaphroditus, was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Here's the ultimate but God. It's in Romans 5 verse 8. Now you can put anything you want prior to verse 8 of Romans 5. Your situation is is very difficult. It's very hard. And it's very painful. And you can place that there. And then you bring Romans chapter 5 verse 8 into the picture. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It might be an oversimplification, but that's basically the bottom line, if I can say it like that. Jesus loves you. I know that just sounds so canned, cliche even. What if I said it like this? Jesus likes you. He does? Yeah. He likes me? Yeah. Isn't it sad that we live in a day and age where the word like has more of an impact than the word love? Love has been marred, profaned, made common, so common, that we just kind of dismiss it. But when you say God likes you, you mean He's not angry at me? No. There's nothing you can do to make God angry at you. You know why? Because He took all of His wrath, all of His anger, and He put it on His only begotten Son who He sent into the world because He loved you so much in the world to die for you. And that should change everything. That but God has to be, it's an absolute must, be in the proper position. Okay, now we've established the correct but God order. I think we're better prepared to address the perils we face today in this context. So there are three. The first, the devil's current attempt to destroy Israel vis-a-vis the peace agreements with Israel. Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. 
We do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter, but all the while we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you, but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.